In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner, a man who owns a vineyard that is filled with the finest of fruits. And since that is the case, that means that in order for a person to be in the kingdom of God, it means that that person must be employed by this landowner and work in the vineyard. This is an apt comparison, an analogy for the kingdom of heaven, not only because our Lord uses it as a parable in Matthew chapter 20, but it is an apt comparison because it is one that harkens back to the very beginning, to Genesis chapters 1 through 3, to the Garden of Eden, where the Lord God created a garden vineyard filled with the finest of fruits, And therein he placed man, Adam and Eve, as laborers, workers in that garden vineyard. As we know all too well, when man ceased to trust in the goodness of the landowner, when Adam and Eve failed to trust in the goodness of God's word and bought into the lie of the serpent, They were then cast out from the kingdom. We see something very similar happening in our parable for today with those laborers who were hired first. They repeat, in many ways, that same mistake of our first parents, failing to trust in the goodness of the one who justifies sinners by grace alone growing even to despise that word and its implications for others. And yet, it's also fair to say that these laborers in the vineyard who were hired first are actually worse than our first parents because not only do they despise the word of God, failing to trust it, these laborers also despise the work that has been given to them. Notice their words lamenting and complaining about the landowner. We have borne the burden and the heat of the day, and yet you make us equal to them who only worked for one hour? These are words of one who is angry and bitter. One who despises both the labor that has been given and the one who has given the labor. The labor that is meant to be a joy and yet is seen as a burden. My friends, as we enter a new season of the church year, we are invited to introspection lest we become like these men, lest we become ungrateful and bitter laborers in the vineyard in which we have been placed. In the journey of this church year, we have left behind the mountaintop that is the Christmas season, culminating in the transfiguration of our Lord that we observed last week. We have come down off of that mountain into the valley, into this day and season called Septuagesima, 
Septuagesima is a Latin word meaning 70 days, since today marks approximately 70 days until Easter. This season ushered in by this day, this time of pre-Lent, is a time of stripping away so that we can get down to that which matters most. We see this sort of enacted in our liturgy where the beautiful song of the angels, the Gloria and Excelsis, is no longer sung. The alleluias have ceased. The psalms take on a much more somber tone and message. The proper preface that we will pray later in the service is drastically reduced, and even the liturgical color of the day has shifted to the violet of Lent. This season is a season of introspection, preparing us for the great 40 days of Lent, which begin in just two and a half weeks. The time of introspection again, so that we do not become like those who were cast out of the vineyard. So that we do not become like our first parents who rebelled against the Lord's word and were cast from the garden paradise. So that we do not become like those laborers in the vineyard who were hired first, who despised the Lord and his work and his word and were cast from the vineyard. See, through sin, Satan seeks to bring you down just like them. Satan seeks to convince you that your sin really doesn't matter that much. You can just slip in at the 11th hour like those laborers in the parable. You can just rely on God's grace Yet this is a lie of Satan. St. Paul makes this clear to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the first few verses of which made up the end of our epistle reading. But if you read on into that whole chapter, we see Paul making a very stark point. God's Old Testament people, Israel, had in a very real way, the sacramental presence of the Lord. They were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. God was with them. He fed them manna from heaven. He gave them drink, water from the rock. He was there with them. The rock was Christ. And yet, as Paul goes on to say, despite this very real presence of the Lord, Israel fell from grace through their rebellion. They began to despise the word of the Lord, presuming upon God's grace, and so they slipped into idol worship and were cast from the kingdom. Lest we become like them, lest our sins take us over and lead us to ruin, we must be introspective and disciplined in our fight against sin. This is why St. Paul's example from the first portion of our epistle reading is so important when he tells us, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. 
St. Paul, in many ways, the pinnacle of what it means to be a Christian is himself concerned about becoming disqualified from his ministry and disqualified from the faith. How much more ought you and I be concerned about this? The Lenten season, which we are quickly approaching, is a traditional time in the church of fasting and discipline, both spiritually speaking and bodily speaking. Such fasting and discipline requires preparation. You can't just start the next day and expect it to work. That is what this pre-Lenten season is for. But let's be clear. What is the purpose of fasting and discipline? Fasting and bodily preparation do not, I repeat, do not earn us God's favor. They do not grant us a place in the vineyard. That comes by the invitation of the Lord alone. The prize at the end of the day, at the end of time, is given by grace. Salvation is by grace alone. The generosity and goodness of God toward us in Christ is the only way to salvation. And yet, sin must be taken seriously because sin can and does get in the way of our reception of this grace. Sin can and does cause men to resent and despise the giver of such grace as sin tempts us to become comfortable and entitled with where we are. And so because of all of this, we must heed St. Paul's example of discipline. Elsewhere, St. Paul says to Timothy that bodily training is of some value, and Luther likewise in the small catechism teaches us that fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training. And yet so often we modern Lutherans have acted as if these things don't actually matter, as if fasting and bodily preparation aren't important at all because we're under grace, not under the law. We have the gospel. We don't need these things. And yet, our Lord's parable is clear. The nature of God's kingdom is labor. So, my friends, we would do well to heed the prophet Daniel's words and see in his confession our own lives and our own confession. Daniel writes, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. My friends, your sin is real. Your sin has the 
potential to get in the way of your reception of salvation by grace alone. And though the grace of God certainly is greater than your sin, though Christ went to the cross for you, that you might be forgiven, still the danger of sin is real. If it is not fled from, if it is not laid at the feet of Christ upon the cross. Any one of us who is a laborer in the Lord's vineyard could be sent to take what is ours and go away from here should we join those laborers who despised the Lord's generosity. And so, my friends, as we prepare for the great 40 days of Lent, let us pray that the Lord would shine his light into our hearts to expose our sin. Let us pray that his spirit, by his grace and mercy alone, would change our hearts so that we might grow to despise the sin within us. Let us pray for wisdom to know how to discipline our bodies and strength to put to death the sin within us through daily contrition and repentance. And through it all, let us pray that we might grow to love the labor that the Lord has given to us so that we might treasure his gift of salvation to us by grace alone and so come to Easter with glad hearts that glory in the mercy and forgiveness of our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.